You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM Dial and podcast on the WWWs. Great to have you company week on week as we get through this crisis together as a community on the community of radio, that is 3CR, which, by the way, includes you listening to me. We're all in this together. Um, I know that sounds a bit uh, like some advertisement, but it's actually true. We're all in this together, so it's great to have you company. If you are a first-time listener, Come on to 3CR because you've come into our community. We are the defenders of government schools, which is to say, of course, that we are the dogs. We are the D-O-G-S, or defenders of government schools. Um, and in doing that, what we do is we highlight various issues every week to do with what we consider to be the inappropriate corruption of what goes on in Australian education systems. And when it comes to difficult times, which we're in now, it's very interesting to find out how various private companies, various private organisations behave when it comes to what happens with taxpayers' money. So one of the things, of course, that happens is the public schools become the centres of their community in an online environment as well as anything else. But the private school system seems to be having a crisis of identity. It's really fascinating. As Jean and Ray before me often said, um, the private school system is a, ca- is, is, is a cancer um, on what it is that educating in Australia really needs. It sucks out resources that are needed. Um, and I don't know, as far as I'm concerned, the Australian education system has a pre-existing condition when it comes to these covidness times. And the private school systems are screaming because they don't just want taxpayers' money, they want more taxpayers' money now because it's a crisis. Now, to tell us more about this, uh, we've got Jean with her very famous press release. Uh, she'll be telling us about that in a minute, but also we'll be travelling overseas to America. Now, often when it comes to America, What happens over there happens here in a few months, one way or the other, or a few years, one way or the other. But um, quite frankly, just at the moment, what's going on in America, I want nothing to do with. They ain't no leaders of the free world as far as I'm concerned, or anyone that is around me. Um, I just don't want anything to do with what they're going on about, certainly when it comes to education. And Diane Ravitch has written an open letter to Joe Biden, the presumptive Democratic candidate, and I'll be sharing some of her ideas later in the show. And um, we've been off it for a few weeks, but I'm back to find I found a really great state school. They were doing amazing things before the lockdown, 
and will do amazing things afterwards and are doing amazing things during. And I'll be telling you all about that. But before we go much further, I really would like to tell you um, that we should have some messages because if you're confused about what's going on at 3CR at the moment, and the, I do apologise for the quality of the microphone, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in quarantine, but I'm in lockdown at the moment, so I'm just using my dinky little lap, community laptop here to tell you all about the things. Um, yeah, here's some messages from 3CR, and we'll return with Jean's world-famous press release. Six years I've been in Beyond the Bars is 3CR's annual prison project, giving voice to our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander inmates right across Victoria. It's good to be here because uh, Aboriginal radio and um, you don't really get to do this much. Brings us all together. Time, you'll get your time to take that first step out that front door to freedom beyond these walls. Make sure and I just want to say thank you to all of you for giving us the opportunity to speak on air. The reason, the bigger the calling. Make your commitment and watch things unfold. And you can listen to audio from this year's broadcasts and previous years as well. Online at any time, just go to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars. But also while I'm here, I'd like to say thank you for all for coming, um, helping, giving us a chance to do this. It's really good, you know. It's been going for a while now. Hopefully, it goes, it keeps going. You know, like it's, it's good that we can do this and um, get our voice out there as prisoners. We can't blame everything on the external, so let's stop looking for it in the hands of the persecutor, because real power comes from here and it comes from family. If you would like us to post you a free CD, contact the station on 03 9419 8377. 3CR are selling Kafia Palestinian scarves in support of the last factory that produces them in Hebron, Palestine. All profits will be donated to the reconstruction efforts in Gaza and support Palestinian industry. These are traditional scarves available in red and black, or you can choose from a modern design. Go to 3cr.org.au slash shop to buy online or drop into the station during business hours. You're listening to 3CR. We really are in unprecedented times and 3CR, as your local community broadcaster, is trying to do our part to minimise the spread of the coronavirus throughout the community. At the front of our minds is protecting the most marginalised and vulnerable, but we are still here and we'll continue broadcasting 24 hours a day with radical alternative content throughout this period, but things will sound a bit different. Some programmers will present their shows on the phone and we'll be finding creative ways to bring you our regular programming. So stay tuned, stay safe, and be kind to each other. Welcome back to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on AM Dog. Um, I promised you something before the break, and I'm going to deliver, because we deliver, we deliver on our promises here at the Dogs. Jean Ely's world-famous Dogs Press release. Number, what is it, Jean? 837. 837, let's go. Here we are. Private schools going the way of Virgin Airlines. The plague 
has unearthed faulty business plans and risk-taking at public expense, not only of Virgin Airlines, but of the private education sector in Australia. Given its $100 billion bank bailout for three years at 0.25% interest, the Reserve Bank appears to be predicting a prolonged and deep depression. So, the private market sector is screaming for ever more taxpayer funds. Since emotional blackmail has always been the modus operandi of the private education sector, they are using one major argument that is geared to gain them access to the federal government's job keeper billions, so they're making teachers redundant, or they're trying to, because there is an independent school union. It will be very interesting to see whether our born-again Keynesians in Canberra are prepared to bail these failed businesses out again, or whether private schools that discriminate against children are considered by Mr Morrison and company as more essential than a second competitive airline. Perhaps our government, if they genuinely believe in the national interest, may finally realise that education is an essential services and they can only lie within the public sector. As private school children turn up at the free, secular and universal system, because they'll be doing that soon, even if that is online, any taxpayer funding available should follow those children and their teachers into the essential service system. And I suspect that it won't be too long before a lot of private school teachers realise that it's much better to be in the public system with a good, strong union than with private operators that regard them as servants of the wealthy only. Now, dogs note that the government is on very shaky grounds. If they give another cent to the private education sector. In a poll which was taken by The Age on a report on their lobbying, and Dale will be reading you this report shortly, 76 people, or sorry, 76% of the people who took the poll, it's only an age poll, but I thought it was very interesting that 76% of them were against any further bailouts to private schools. And the vast majority of the comments were very, very antagonistic towards both private schools and the idea of giving them one cent more money. As one reader, or man who made a comment, who called himself Lord Reg said, Yeah? Nah. <laughs> now the plague has opened up a Pandora's box of ideological proportions in education as well as in a lot of other areas. How private is private when the public pay for it again and again and yet again? And why should taxpayers fund again and again failed business enterprises? And should our children and teachers be at the mercy of private enterprise and the market which has been laid up in heaven? the last few decades. 
Now, job cuts. That's what they're talking about, job cuts in private schools. But it's really about enrolments coming into the public sector. And they're not using the argument that the public sector can't cope with them because the public sector is well online. Madeleine Heffernan, from The Age, in her April 22, 2020 report entitled Private Schools Seek Taxpayer Bailout to Save Off Job Cuts, when she was talking about the private school lobbying, wrote the following. And Dale is going to tell you exactly what she had to say. Thanks, Jean. Yes, I've got the article here entitled Private Schools Seek Taxpayer Bailout to Stave Off Job Cuts. Private schools who fear they will lose students in droves as the country enters recession have asked Education Minister Dan Tian for a taxpayer bailout to prevent massive job cuts. Independent school heads had a meeting with Federal Education Minister Tian recently where they made the request. Catholic Education Melbourne is also believed to be pushing for emergency funding to minimise the financial effects of COVID-19. Beth Blackwood, Chief Executive of the Association of Heads of Independent Schools Australia, said schools were reviewing all options to survive the pandemic, including standing down staff or making them redundant. No school wants to stand down staff, but the financial realities of it are that they may, Ms Blackwood said. They would be looking at all options. She said job losses were likely, were likely due to falling revenue, high staffing costs and uncertainty over whether staff would qualify for the government's wage replacement scheme. Catholic Edu- Education Melbourne Acting Executive Director Jim Miles said it was essential that we minimise disruptions to students to ensure that they can continue accessing a high quality Catholic education. With Victoria's 1 million students largely learning from home this term, private schools have also been inundated with requests for fee cuts to compensate, compensate for students not having access to school grounds and extracurricular activities. High fee independent schools such as Melbourne Grammar and Mentone Girls Grammar have offered, to, have offered term two fee cuts and Catholic schools have urged parents to negotiate individual reductions and stressed that costs were mostly fixed for the year and in some cases had risen to deal with the crisis. Ms Blackwood said job cuts were certainly politically sensitive, but the reality for independent schools is 70% or more of their budget are staff salaries. So if they're going to make fiscal cuts, the only place they can meaningfully do that is through staff. And if they've got a declining number of enrolments, then how can they sustain the level of staffing that they may have started with at the beginning of the year? Catholic and independent schools employ about 157,000 full-time equivalent staff between them across Australia. In Victoria, where 36% of students attend non-government schools, the sectors employ about 43,500 full-time equivalent staff. Ms Blackwood said there had been few job cuts so far, despite boarding schools sitting there empty across the country. 
Haileybury College and Ballarat Clarendon College recently walked away from plans to sack staff after the Independent Education Union took the two schools to the Fair Work Commission. Meg Hansen, principal of Westbourne Grammar in Truganina, said most schools and most people I know want to keep all of their staff because they know they're going to need them when campuses reopen to all students, but they may not be able to afford to keep them. If there was some other instrument that could be developed by governments to support schools through this difficult time, that would be good, she said. Mr Tehan did not respond to questions on whether the government would provide further funding to non-government schools or proceed with independent schools' requests to bring forward recurrent payments in June. Grattan Institute School Education Program Director Peter Goss said supporting schools so they can keep paying their staff has real value, just as it does for other small businesses. But he said in the medium term, Schools should not be shielded from making tough decisions. Many parents who have become unemployed in this crisis may decide to withdraw their child next year, which will lead to a loss of not only fees, but the government revenue that goes with that student. That's the point at which shifts it shifts from not only about the individual teachers, but the viability of the school itself, Dr Goss said. Trevor Cobold, National Convener of Government School Lobby Group Save Our Schools, described non-government schools' request for emergency funding as opportunistic. It is incredible how often private school organisations will resort to any opportunity to gouge more money out of the taxpayer. Drought, fires and now COVID-19, Mr Cobold said. Private school systems have billions in assets to provide security for loans to fund their operations. The Catholic school system has the massive wealth of the Catholic Church behind it to keep operating. They should postpone their multi-million dollar building plans to support their teachers. And uh, Jean will be back with some more comments about that article after we have a little bit of a break. For me to fail I climb way up to the top of the stair And all my cares just drift right into
government schools we are the dogs d-o-g-s defenders of government schools every week on the dogs program we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school if you're a parent or if you're a kid or if you're involved in the school in any way whatsoever and you love your state school give 3cr a call we want to hear about these schools that we're defending Brunswick Secondary State schools are great. Harkaway Primary School. Sunshine North Primary School. They're really concerned about the welfare of the kids and their growth as people as well as learning. Like you put on plays, you've got enrichment, you've got physical education, visual arts, languages, all that. In fact, is there a cooking? Actually, an embracing of kids from disadvantaged backgrounds and with additional needs. More than half of your kids are from some of the poorest families in Australia. Yeah, definitely. That's the community and that's who we're servicing and that's that's who we welcome into the school. Outdoor play is linked to healthier and happier children. This, in turn, leads to better grades. In the weekly assemblies and stuff, they have a little thing, uh, you've been caught being good, and they have a a value of the week each week, and so it's not just words, it is actually... So so what do the teachers do when it's a building site? Yeah, they kick themselves out of their own staff room and turn into a classroom. Just a really nice culture and an emphasis on social skill building as well as learning. Quite a range of intellectual ability and kids with mental health diagnoses, refugee kids, kids who have not been in the country very long, don't necessarily start off with a positive great relationships with each other, with teachers, and with the community. And they run a, a breakfast club. There's a recognition that some kids don't get breakfast, and so there's, there's food on. If you are involved in a state school and it's a great school, we'd love to hear from you so we can talk about it and tell the world. Leave a message for the dogs at 3CR on 9419 State schools are great schools. Great state schools. And welcome back, listeners. You're listening to the Dogs Program on 3CR, 855 AM. And, yeah, we've just uh, been speaking about an article where the private schools are scrabbling for cash to stop stop, uh, supposed uh, job cuts. But, Jean, you've got some comments about Yes, well, my comment is that the most interesting figure that was used there was their admission that 70% of their income uh, is goes on teaching um, on teachers. And yet this means that that 70%, which is in many cases much, much less than we as taxpayers are paying these private schools, um, that that is public money. These teachers should, in fact, be public servants. They should be appointed and they should be looked after um, by the education department because we pay for them. And their and their um, actual jobs should be much more secure than, in fact, they are in this market economy of the private sector, which, of course, has also got, you know, this... Um, this religious twinge to it too because I think the only time they mentioned that perhaps they were special was the Catholic education sector and that they should be or they were somehow entitled to a particular um, religious education. But uh, if you actually look at the comments, there were 102 uh, within a few hours, two or three hours of, of this actual um, article going up on the web 
uh, of the age, uh, the comments were quite extraordinary, some of them. Uh, one person, Nick Priest, he called himself, said, no, N-O-H, never. Look at how much the private schools spent last year on wellness centres and the like from the donations given from the wealthy parents. There is no way we should give money to them. There are the rest of us here without a whole lot of money, certainly not enough to send our kids to these private schools. Yet we are working hard still when the government starts to hand out the the, the people take advantage whether or not they need it. And Dave had this to say. So there's a certain number of teachers required per student. If the private schools are losing students to government schools due to fees, I don't see any drop in the number of teachers required. The students are not disappearing off the face of the earth. They still require a teacher, just at a different school. And what is really interesting is that uh, the private school people who vote in uh, were not saying that the uh, public schools would be overwhelmed by all of the enrolments uh, coming in. That's no longer the argument because, of course, they really don't want to lose all of these uh, enrolments. Uh, another gentleman had this to say. These people, they're private school people, have massive advantage over other schools. They charge unsustainable fees to customers. They need to back off the government subsidising of this advantage. The extra money that may go to them should instead go to improve outcomes in public schools, help even up the imbalance. The rich will always continue to pay whatever fees are charged by these privileged schools. Well, my response to that would be, um, I suppose a lot of Christian people would say, well, the poor are always with us. But the problem for public schools is the rich are always with us too, <laughs> demanding uh, certain privileges. Uh, Marg had this to say, what a bloody cheek. Another private industry now wanting a government handout. Now they believe in socialism. If they won't bail out Virgin, why should they bail out private schools? This is an opportunity to restructure our ridiculously inequitable two-tiered education system. More students should be in our government schools and our taxes should be going to them to ensure they are well-resourced. Private schools can save money by cancelling printing of their glossy brooches and cancelling the European trips. James had this to say, and uh, these these responses from private school people are always of interest. James says, I am a product of the private education system. My children were educated through the private education system. The suggestion that the private education system would go cap in hand to the government given their access to fees and already generous funding levels, is offensive. They run well-funded businesses and now need to demonstrate competence in negotiating what is a blip for them, but a significant challenge 
for their clients. So even by uh, the market ideology, there is a bit of questioning to be done about the kind of business that these private schools are running. They are incompetent. What really matters had this to say. Oh, you have got to be kidding. Maybe they should have, have wasted so much money in a retractable swimming pool arms race. And Bluebell said, and yet the local school of choice, as they market themselves, is continuing their facilities expansion while there are no students. Builders are on site every day building what looks like a cathedral. A taxpayer bailout? Back chance. Put the building works on hold if you haven't got the cash to pay staff. And maybe budget better in the future. So, uh, and uh, there are many, many more. As I said, within a few hours there were 102 responses and those are continuing, I'm sure. Mm. But I think that is enough on that topic for the moment. We have a lot of very interesting material to get through today. We'll have a Thank you very much, Jane. We'll have a little break and then we'll come right back. Are you ready to be inspired by local grassroots herstory? Connect with the stories of Friends of the Earth's 45 years of creative resistance. Everything from anti-nukes in the 70s, road blockades in the 90s, Indigenous solidarity, feminist politics, and so much more. Tune into the podcast at 3cr.org.au slash acting up. And be inspired to create a fair and just future for all. Wear your Radical Radio colours in one of 3CR's new T-shirts. The bright new design comes straight from this year's popular Radiothon poster designed by Aisha Tufa. T-shirts cost $30 to pick up or $37 with postage. So drop into the station at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. Call 9419-8377 to place your order. Or buy one online at 3cr.org.au slash shop. 3CR Radical Radio T-shirts. Get Get one one now. now.
back again to the Dogs program here on 3CR855 on the AM Dolan podcast on the WWW. You see, I find this whole give us more money because there's a, there's a, there's a plague on stuff ridiculous. You boil it down, there are three types of private enterprises running the private school system in Australia. The first type are the rich, privileged, independent private schools who have millions, tens of millions, in some cases hundreds of million dollars of dollars of capital which they can draw down upon for years without actually affecting um, the, the, their budgets at all. Purely opportunistic, as Trevor Cable would say. Second type of school. Second type of school are Catholic schools. Catholic schools are run by the Catholic Church, hence the name. The Catholic Church is the single biggest private landowner in Australia. They have more assets that can be realised than anyone else in the country. If they want to keep running their schools, that's their problem, their money, go away. The third type are what they call independent schools on the fringes of various cities around Australia. They're Christian colleges. They're they're, they're, they're run by people like Scientologists or Baptists, exclusive brethren types. They're private schools with a very significant religious flavor. Islamic schools are, in, are, in, are within this process as well. Financially, they are stuffed. They've run really lean business models. They are, they are carpet-bagging organisations that cannot survive under any circumstances without government money. They are up to their eyeballs in debt. They are bad businesses. They should go under. It's really simple. Um, just buy that lot out, turn them into state schools, and you've got yourself a wonderful system of education and infrastructure on the urban fringes of Melbourne cities, where a vast majority of Australians live. Full stop, end of story. They are bad businesses because they're independent schools like Scotch College, but they're not. They're functionally, um, yeah, pedal, uh, living by the sea of their pants year to year. I will tell you right now that the majority of their staff are on less than 12-month contracts, teachers on less than 12-month contracts because the school year goes for less than 12 months. And so their teachers won't even get the job keeper. They'll have to get job seeker payments, not job keeper payments, because they are scamming their workforce and have been for years. And they're so, also providing our children. Well, yeah, I mean... Providing our children on the that's basis a, that's of... A, that's a separate thing. Um, I, I can't deal, I'm talking about the financial aspects, Jim. Yeah. I mean, they're just, they're just bad businesses and they should go under and we'll buy them out. Nationalise that lot. Um, if the Catholic Church doesn't want to cough up for its own schools, then nationalise them too. And if Scots College doesn't want to dig deep into its massive pool of money, then um, nationalise them. I don't care. It's their, their problem, not mine. Anyway, I'm going to move now from Australia and the financial vagaries of the poor private school system to what's happening in America. Um, yes, they're... There's 4,000 people dying a day in America of, of the virus. It's shocking business. But underneath all of that, over the last several years, Betsy DeVos, the Education Secretary in the United States of America, has um, attempted to destroy the public education system. And a couple of people have written an open letter. One of them is Diane Rodich, and the other one is called Carol Burris. And they've written an open letter to Vice President Biden. Now, he's called that the America because once you are a vice president, you're always a vice president. Um, so he's not currently the vice president, but he was. And 
I've written to Biden, the presumptive Democratic nominee. And they've got some things to say about what the Democrats should be talking about to make a real choice in terms of what's happening in America. And they are writing on behalf of the network of public education, which is in America the largest group of volunteers and advocates for public schools. And there's more than 350,000 people involved in that spread across all 50 states. Now, they have strongly opposed the education agenda of Donald Trump. And for the first time in the history of the Department of Education in the United States, the Secretary of the Department seems dedicated to the destruction of public schools. From an enthusiastic support of private school vouchers, charter schools and virtual charter schools, Betsy DeVos has made clear that she believes that schools should be run by private agencies as well as entrepreneurial startups, not as centres of community life, subject to democratic governance or elected by school boards. Now, in America, their public schools and their students desperately need a champion. Diane um, hopes that they will, that Biden, Joe Biden, will be that champion. For two decades, American schools and their teachers have been micromanaged by misguided federal mandates that require states to judge students, teachers and schools by standardised test scores, as though a test score could ever be the true measure of a child, of a human being, of a teacher, or indeed of a school. We know, Joe, they say, that you know better. At the Public Education Forum in Pittsburgh in December 2019 NPE board member Denisha Jones asked you whether you would commit to ending standardised testing in public schools. You did not hesitate when you said, yes, yes, I will. You're preaching to the choir. You continued on by saying, teaching to a test underestimates and discounts the things that are most important for students to know. And you explained that what is most important is building a child's confidence and you referred to evaluating teachers by test scores as a big mistake. You are right, Joe, they say, in your assessment of standardised high-stakes tests, and we appreciate your response. Hold firmly to those beliefs. We understand that federal law must be rewritten to free the schools from their fixation on test schools. We count on you to make that happen and to put an end to the legacy of President Bush's No Child Left Behind law. Billions of dollars have been wasted on testing during those past 20 years, and not on teaching. There's time for a fresh vision of what education in the United States can be. Former supporters of President Obama's race to the top program will whisper in your ear to persuade you to double down on failed policies. They will try to convince you that testing is a civic or civil right. It is not. In fact, standardised testing has its roots in eugenics from the First World War. It was used for years as a means by which to shut out immigrants, students of colour and students who live in poverty in order to reserve privilege for affluent students who more typically excel on standardised tests. All children deserve a well-resourced public school filled with high-quality educational experiences. All children deserve experienced and well-prepared teachers. All children deserve schools that have counsellors, social workers, librarians and nurses. 
All children deserve a full curriculum with science labs and arts programs. When schools become test prep factories, the civil rights of children for equal educational opportunities are denied. Others will tell you that funding does not matter and the only choice in competition will improve public schools. They are wrong. Research consistently demonstrates that increases in funding will make differences in educational outcomes for children and the poorer the child, the bigger the difference. But we cannot tinker around the edges and expect to get dramatic results. That is why we fully support your plan to triple Title I funding while giving educators a voice in how that money should be best spent. We are pleased that you support community schools as a pathway for school improvement. During the forum, you said, Betsy DeVos's whole notion from charter schools to this um, is gone. If you are elected, we are glad that you endorse district public schools improvement instead of embracing the expansion or has become a competing alternative system whose growth has drained funding from public schools. Banning for-profit charter schools is not enough. There are only a handful of for-profit charters, and they all exist in one state, Arizona. There are, however, many for-profit charter school management companies, as well as non-profit charter management companies whose CEOs enjoy exorbitant salaries, far exceeding the salaries of district school superintendents. These charter chains hide their leverage spending on travel, marketing, advertising, rental payments to related companies and administrative salaries from community, state and federal taxpayers, even as they claim to be public schools, but they're not. Although the policies of the state regarding charter schools are beyond your control, the federal charter school program is not. Once Modest programs intended to spark innovation, community-led charter schools, is now a program that sends hundreds of millions of dollars each year to corporate charter school chains. Just in March, DeVos gave $72 million to the IDEA charter chain, whose chief executive officer hired a private jet and was on which he was the only passenger to meet DeVos in Florida. That same charter chain received over $175 million from DeVos through the charter school program of 2017 and also, again, 2018. It's time, Joe, to eliminate the federal charter schools program, which is no longer needed since billionaire-directed foundations supply ample funding for new charters and charter expansions. Yeah, leave it to Microsoft. They can do all the charter school stuff if they want to. Now, we, the Public Education Network, issued two reports last year demonstrating that federal charter schools program is riddled with waste and fraud, having spent approximately $1 billion on schools that never even opened, or that opened and then just closed again. Your public statements encourage us to believe that you do not intend to follow the disastrous education policies of No Child Left Behind from from the Bush years and the Race to the Top from the Obama years. We are hopeful that you will renounce the status quo and bring a fresh vision that supports the work 
of teachers and public schools. You will receive no better counsel on public education than you will from your wife, Jill Biden, who is, of course, a teacher. She will have no doubt, we have no doubt, she will advise you well. It is time to turn the page on failed policies and invest in our nation's public schools, which enrol nearly 90% of all of America's children. The future of America depends on the success of public schools and their leaders, their teachers, their support staff, who even in this crisis are working tirelessly to educate our students and keep them fed, keep them well and keep them safe. Please stand with them and with more than the 50 million children who attend district public schools, even if it's just online. And that is the end of the open letter by Diane Ravitch and Carol Burris to the presumptive um, Democratic candidate for the President of the United States, Joe Biden. I think it's absolutely fascinating. I would say to you, watching what's going on in America, Joe Biden, if you're listening, which you're probably not, but um, just to the listeners, I'll say that the uneducated opinions that are being promoted and then accepted in America are symptomatic of one thing and one thing only, a population that is poorly educated. If a poorly educated president says some poorly educated things which are shown to be and said to be poorly educated, then there's only one reason why you would believe that person, and that is if you are poorly educated yourself. An education system is a generational question. If you listen to what someone says and you go, no, that's just rubbish, we have other words for that in Australia, that's just bull um, and other things, um, because you're educated and you have an idea, or you go, really? I'm going to check that out because I'm educated and I know how to check that out. Um, then you do. What's happening in, a, in America at the moment, I think, is reflective of a generation of people in America who've missed out on an education and go, oh, yeah, all right, I'll take some drug because the president told me to, and then die. I go, oh, this, 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 this plague is a democratic media plot to take away my freedom, I'm going to... I mean, people who have those views, and yeah, they're entitled to their views, that's not the question. The question is, why? Why would you come to a conclusion like that? And I think the answer is, um, you are not a critical thinker. Um, you've taken what some someone has said, or a number of people have said, well, lots of people say it, so it must be true. Um, and that is that is the quintessence of a poor education to accept what people say on the basis that, 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 one, you might agree with it, or two, lots of people say it. This isn't a question of belief. This isn't a question of religion. This is a question of, I don't believe in the coronavirus because um, I listened to someone who said it's a conspiracy by the Muslim Obama or something. So it all gets a bit weird. It's so weird, I have to leave that a bit. I have to, I have to leave that alone. Let me have some music, and I'll return with some good news about a great state school all the way back here in Victoria. Every week on the Doctor Program, we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. State schools are great. Schools. School of the week. State school. School of the school. week. Great state schools. State, state schools. schools. School are great of the week. Schools. School for the week here on the Dogs Program. Yeah. Yeah. 
Welcome back to the Dutch program on 3CR855 on the AM Dial and podcast on the WWWs. Hope you're happy and healthy there in lockdown. And if you're not in lockdown, you're still out there working, um, as so many people are in our health services and essential services. Hope you're having a good day. I really do. But because I've got some good news for you. Um, over the years, The Age, um, now Channel 9, um, has run a program called Schools That Excel. And for the first time, they've actually looked around regional Victoria and included smaller schools that are doing a good job rather than just the big ones. And as part of this new, car- ca- ca- this new category they have for their awards of schools that excel, the East Loddon Peter 12 College has won the award. Now, the East Loddon Peter 12 College is an extraordinary. Ten years ago, everyone, the teachers, kids, the community, the parents decided this school's not doing what we want. What are we going to do to fix it? And so over a period of 10 years, the East Loddon Peter 12 College, which is actually in Dingee, um, which is a suburb about 20 minutes drive north of Bendigo, um, turned things around. For five years, nothing much happened in terms of test results. For five years, all the hard work was seemingly for nothing. And then after five years, little tiny green shoots of improvement came out of the work that had been going on behind the scenes. Now, it's a small school. It's only got 32 full-time staff and only 231 students. Now, the result of feedback from the age readers and educational um, and educational experts have brought back saying that this school is doing extraordinary things by doing simple things over and over again really well. And the East Loddon Peter Talk of the Merge. Now, their principal, Stephen Lead, said the school's VCE results had been strong in the past few years, and last year's cohort had nine students did particularly well, with the Ducks achieving an ATAR of 97.25. I mean, she said, the school's strong sense of community helped to drive results. Students at all year levels are really connected to the school, particularly at the top end. The community support for the students is enormous. One of the things they changed is they looked to their community around them and said, can you help? And the community said, yeah, sure, we'll give it a go. He says, a lot of schools claim to be community hubs, but we actually are, and they are now in these covidness times as well. The Year 9 to 12 coordinator, Sarah Byrne, says, the school started to make some key changes 10 years ago, and the past five years, the leadership of the school has started to see the results. She said the schools put more emphasis, they changed it on teaching students how to study. They had a wellbeing program to help students deal with the stress out there in, you know, 40 minutes drive north of Bendigo in year 12, and encouraging students to share what it is that they think and feel about what's going on and how teachers themselves can improve lessons. So how good the lessons are is a function of the effective feedback the students give themselves. Isn't that interesting? Power to students improves the school. Now, I can talk about standardised testing results if you'd like. Some people still obsess about that. Um, in terms of all Australian students, it is chucking it down good. In terms of similar students, it is brilliantly good, well above average for reading and numeracy in year nine. How much does it cost me, the taxpayer? About $21,000 per student. Now, remember, this is the regional school, 40, 40 minutes north of Bendigo. I think that is a bargain as far as I'm concerned. 
Now, the school itself describes itself in these terms, where the students have a way of feeding back to the teachers, which let the teachers know what's going on to make it better and better and better. Um, who are these kids? What is this school? What is the ICSIA value of this school? Basically, 70% of the kids come from the poorest quarter of all Australians. 24% come from semi-rich kids and only 8% come from the richest families in Australia. So it's actually, in terms of the population, there's more girls than boys, slightly, and they have some Indigenous students, very few, and they also have very few students from a background language other than English. So it's there's a certain homogeneity and commu- up to that community, which the community then is reflected in the school. So the community school go together in those ways. But they're taking the kids that other people don't want because the private schools around the area, of course, patron are all the smart kids are the ones with money. And there you go. I have to say right now that East Lutton Peter 12, as far as I'm concerned, is the greatest state school in the state, if not the country. Good luck to you guys in these Covidness times. We are the Dogs Program, 3CR 855 on AM dial. If you're interested in what we're talking about, please contact us at 3cr.org.au or at our website, which is www.adogs, that's A-D-O-G-S, dot com sorry Dale I got myself stuffed if you want to contact us you can contact us at our website at www.adogs.info that's www.adogs.info but for now until next week when we have to come back to you from our bunker it is that's it from us at the dogs from Dale, myself and Jane it's bye for now
Joe, you're ten years dead. 